This is Josh Mills. And this is John Mills. Welcome back to another episode of Acquired Tastings. I'm excited to have my dad back with us this week, back from traveling. Where did you go, Dad? Uh, so we had a little trip to the Smoky Mountain National Park, and then we went on to like Memory Lane. We went by the old house where you were born in Clinton, Tennessee, and we also went to Maysville, Kentucky, where Marie was born. And I'll have to show you the picture, Josh, of the of the hospital where Marie was born. It's turned into a spook house. Oh no! It's oh, yeah, <laughs> terrible. And so, uh, did you get to go out into any uh, bourbon country while you were there? We went right through bourbon country, Josh, but uh, the day we were going through there, everything was closed. Uh, You know, there's the COVID issue, but it seems like the uh, bourbon distilleries are only open Thursday through Saturday or maybe Sunday. So we were were traveling through there Tuesday, Wednesday. You and I are going to have to go back. Maybe we'll have to do a podcast on location. That would be awesome to go out there and get to hang out and then do one while we're out there after visiting places. That'd be really cool. Yeah, it would. Well, I listened to the podcast, and uh, Jordan blinded you, and I'm really interested what uh, that was. She did. You know, it was definitely a barrel-aged beer. It was not really that malty. There was a little bit of kind of floridity on it, and I called it a barrel-aged pale ale. Never seen before. But what it was, it was barrel-aged, but it was from Rar and Sons. It was their barrel-aged Oktoberfest. So they had taken their Oktoberfest, yeah. And they had bourbon barrel ages, so it was, it was a really good blind. So did it have uh, that sweet corn taste because of that oak barrel? You know, it did. It, I wouldn't say it was sweet corn, but it was definitely uh, it was definitely bourbon barrel aged. So uh, okay, could All definitely right. get the bourbon out of it. All right. And what are we doing this week? Today we're doing rums, and I'm doing Bacardi. I uh, want to call it a dark rum, but they make a black one. So this is really what they call golden and my snacks today i've got some smoked gouda cheese i have some cookies that are oatmeal coconut chocolate chip and then i have some jerk chicken cool sounds like it's gonna be a good one so you got the bacardi gold i've got the uh, diplomatico manituano it is one of their aged rums and then for my foods i have some fried plantains i have a beef arepa, which is kind of a Venezuelan pocket sandwich, and then tres leches cake. It looks really good. Yeah, so uh, you want to you wanna start with yours? Sure, I'll start. Well, we have a little bit of the uh, golden Bacardi. Color-wise, it's like they said, it's golden. We've got it in a uh, half old-fashioned or a single old-fashioned glass with no ice. Maybe we should have put ice, but I didn't want the water to dilute the Bacardi flavor. Yeah, so... Cardi's a, a standard of rum in bars. So. Yes, it is. And actually, it's one of the largest American privately held family-owned spirit company in the world. Oh, interesting. So what are you, you kind of getting on the nose, or have you tried that? Well, the first thing I get is, is alcohol. It is. It's coming through burning my nostrils. I think it's only a 40%. Uh, yeah, just 40%. Okay. So it shouldn't burn you too bad. So behind it, there's some like sweet molasses. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Getting kind of some honey. What are you smelling? I get the same thing, Josh. Uh, I also think I, you know, I don't get any real floridity to it. Do you? I mean, it's just, it's just that beautiful rum, molasses. Yeah, no, no, I don't really get any kind of floral notes. If I was going to say there's some floral notes, it's probably really, really light. Yeah, but there's definitely good vanilla, molasses, 
honey. Yeah, you just now said vanilla, and I'd have to agree with you. Yeah, and some other little baking spices in there. I don't really get the honey, but I do get the molasses. I mean, that was uh, one of the things that's uh, instrumental in making good rum. Yeah. You start out with that molasses. That's... So the other, you know, the other thing is that uh, Bacardi, if you've ever heard of the signature drink, it's called a Cuba Libra. Do you know what that means, Josh? Free Cuba. Yeah, very good, very good. So Bacardi originated in in, uh, Cuba, and right now they use white oak barrels. And then, you know, Franco Bacardi Meso, he was a Spanish wine merchant, and he was noticing that the rum in 1814 was, you know, pretty poorly made. It's not considered a refined drink at all. And so he wanted to tame rum, and so he, he started and made his own signature yeast. Mm, interesting. And it's really, that's how it gets a lot of its flavor. And well, we know that from beers, and we know that even from wine. Yep. So I, I didn't seem, I didn't feel like that was very shocking. But the other thing that he did is he used the white oak barrels, but he filtered it through charcoal to get it that clean, crisp flavor. And of course, he's do, he's doing white rum, mm-hmm. clear rum. Yeah, and so where's Bacardi now? Because obviously it's not in Cuba anymore, because otherwise we well, couldn't get it. Josh, there's a story with that. Okay. You shouldn't have asked. Well, we can, come, we can come back to it. No, I got the story. So in, uh, I think, 1978, your mom and I, uh, I think it might have been part of our honeymoon trip that her mother gave us tickets with Eastern Airlines, and Eastern went lots of different places. Well, Puerto Rico was one of the places it went. And so the, the Bacardi Distillery Plant is out on an island off of Bacardi, off of Puerto Rico, and that's where we went. And I... I I asked Joanne today, did we spend all our money? She said, no, we didn't spend all of it, but we spent a lot. (laughs) Yeah, I bet. Because there was was all kinds of different rums to to buy there. Anio, which is is one that I don't think they even make anymore. Right. Which is a liqueur-type rum. So anyway, we bought all these rums, and we been tasting rums while you wait on the tour and man we had a great time and we'd take the ferry over and then we realized uh-oh you're supposed to have you have to have a dime per person to get on the ferry to get on the ferry and get back home uh-oh so we're kind of lamenting oh we you know kind of talking to ourselves out loud and this woman looked at us and i looked at her and she says here and she gave us two dimes wow her name was friday okay she was a playboy bunny <laughs> The other thing, so I I couldn't pay her back, but the other thing she taught us was that if you roll your clothes into your suitcase, you'll end up with a lot more room. Interesting. So you guys learned that trick from a Playboy bunny when you were in Puerto Rico. A Playboy bunny (laughs) in Puerto Rico. And you still use it to this day. I mean, I use it too. Yeah, that's right. So we were lamenting, how are we going to get all this back in our luggage? And she said, oh, take all your clothes out, roll them up nice and tight, put them back in your suitcase, and you'll be surprised how much extra space you got. Wow, that's really cool. Thanks for asking. Yeah, so so yeah, uh, Bacardi is currently made in Puerto Rico. That's why it's considered a U.S. company uh, being in Puerto Rico. And this is really good. So I've had, I've been went ahead and tried some of the aged Gouda 
that we have there. And that kind of really, it really mellows out the rum, uh, kind of mellows out the alcohol a little bit, but it brings out a little bit more of the, kind of some of those baking spice notes. Like I'm getting a little bit more of the like cinnamon, like hot cinnamon, vanilla, clove, allspice, nutmeg from that barrel aging. I'm getting that too, Josh. I was a little disappointed in this Gouda. You know, I wanted something that's really dark, really smoke, you know, dark and smoky. Yeah. But I just went to Kroger's and this was the best I could get. That's but not it, a bad it has Gouda. A, it has a little bit of smoke to it. Not as much as you would think. That's really good. So one of the other things is that, uh, you know, there was prohibition in the United States. And because the, the rum was made in Puerto Rico, which is a territory of the United States, when prohibition ended, you could get Bacardi rum with no taxes added. Wow. So that, that really helped a lot. Yeah, so that's really cool. Uh, so, Dad, remind me the chicken. What, what all do you have on it? So that's a jerk chicken that you might find in Jamaica or Cuba or I assume Puerto Rico. It has some onion, some allspice, which is kind of the traditional jerk chicken flavor, if you will. It has some Scotch bonnet peppers. Ooh. So that's where you're gonna get you're gonna get some hot flavor from that. Uh, it also has a black pepper, uh, coarse oil, uh, and you know just. It has scallions, so that instead of just straight onion, there's the onion and the scallion. So you're getting some of that hot flavor from it. Yeah, it's but it's nice. It's on the back end. It's not really too much. Right. You know, for me, who's a wuss when it comes to spice. You know, this really that pairing kind of brings out the molasses, molassesiness. It uh, does. Yeah. And then, did you pan fry the chicken or did you grill it? No, I grilled it. Okay, so kind of a more traditional over the fire. Right. Exactly. You want to get some of that smoke on that chicken as well. Get some of those good char, those good charry bit on there, which is so, really good. One of the things I learned is, you know, I want to go to Cuba at some point. Uh, now, <laughs> now we're also cigar guys. So. Yeah, well, and now it's more difficult than it was. Um, you know, Obama loosened up the rules, and then uh, President Trump tightened them back up. But one of the things that uh, my research showed is that you're not going to find a whole lot of rum. In Cuba, you won't find Bacardi. Wow, yeah, because it's it's not made there, right? And it probably it can't be distributed into there either because it's an American product, and we can't send any of our product into. That's right. So, um, I Bacardi, like like Josh, you said, uh, Bacardi's a backbone for a lot of rum drink. The Cuba Libra, which is really, it's really nothing more than rum and coke and lime juice. Yep. I mean, it. it's basically, if you're ordering a rum and coke, you could also order a Cuba Libre. And the only difference is going to be you'll have lime juice in it. Or right. maybe a lime, like a lime wedge. They may not even put juice in into the drink. But, you know, like we're talking about, if you notice kind of what we're talking about, we're talking about in the Caribbean area. Because rum is a sugarcane-based product. Uh, sugarcane be- is the foundation of rum. And so, like, whereas wine is great and scotch or whiskey is grain based rum is sugarcane based right right so and that's how they make that molasses right which is the base of the rum right i wonder if there's been any um sorghum rum you know i make molasses with it and i don't think so but i don't know why you couldn't right i think was it rocktown did a sorghum whiskey i think they did you're but right. they did but they didn't make molasses with it they just used it as, as part of their wart or their or their grain build Right. So, what about the what about the bat, Josh? There's a bat. Yeah, it looks on like the, a... on the cap, and then there's a bat on the Bacardi label. Do you know what that's all about? I don't. What is it about? Well, 
As the story goes, the company founder, Don Francudo Bacardi, Masao, his wife, Donna, I'm going to murder this name, (laughs) Amala Bacardi, spotted fruit bats in the family's distillery one day. And believing that the winged visitors were a sign of good luck, she insisted that the symbol be on the family's products. Interesting. Be on their company logo and all the different things. Interesting, because most of the time when people see bats or think of bats, they think of them as bad. That's right. Bad omen. So for some reason, she thought it was a good omen. Well, I bet they were, you know, it was good because, you know, bats eat insects and you don't want to have extra insects floating around in your distillery. That's right. They were probably eating the fruit flies that were in there mucking around Mm -hmm. with the molasses and maybe even the Bacardi rum that was uh, being aged or whatever. So this rum that uh, I chose is called the Golden. I already talked about the white rum that just goes into the barrel and then it didn't really say how long it stays there and then it, it's filtered through the charcoal. So the gold rum is a blend of different rums and then it's aged in that barrel for one to two years. Okay, so it's a blend of distills, of distilling, and then they leave it in there for how long? One to three years, is that what you said? One to two. One to two years, okay. So that's where it's getting its really light color from. Yeah, it's... You know, they make a black rum, and right. I, I hadn't researched what the black rum does, but undoubtedly it must stay in the in those barrels for a lot longer. Yeah, because, I mean, this is a really pale, a pale straw color. That's right. They're really, really light gold. You know, it kind of reminds me of the wheat fields in Kansas, that really light kind of yeah, brown. Yeah. Mm-hmm goldy color it's really good i've never had it neat before i mean it comes off on the nose a little hot like it's hard for me to find anything besides alcohol and like ethyl alcohol that are coming up or ethyl acetate that are coming through but it's got nice strong legs which is attributed i'm sure to that 40 percent yeah i mean i'm i'm surprised that that's 40 percent it seems hotter than some of the bourbons that we've had that have been right around 43 45 you want some uh 151 bacardi i don't want 151 well, guess what? I tried to buy Bacardi 151 at our favorite liquor store about a year or so ago because there's a cocktail I like that uses 151 rum, and they say they can't get it. Right. And I don't know if that meant Bacardi's not making it anymore or if you just can't get it in Arkansas. Yeah, I've heard it's not sold in Arkansas anymore because it's, uh, it's too high in alcohol. Well, What's the, co- what's the cocktail? So, <laughs> I like a Mai Tai. Okay. And it has a lot of different ingredients in it. And the way I make it, I put a little bit of the 151 rum in it to give it a good kick. Okay. It has it has uh, not white rum, but the golden rum. It has the black rum. I put a little of the 151 rum in it. And the recipe I'm using is a recipe book that we got when we were in Puerto Rico in 1978. I've kept that recipe book because not only does it have cocktail recipes, but it has punch bowl recipes, food recipes using Bacardi. It's really, really interesting. So is that a Bacardi, does Bacardi, does the recipe book say for the 151 or is that just a John Well, what they actually say is you could either use the black or the 151. Well, you know, an alcoholic, (laughs) he puts both of them in there. (laughs) Sorry about that. <laughs> As Emerald says, you're going to kick it up a notch. Yeah, I kicked it up a notch because I put a little bit of the 151 on top of the dark one and on top of the golden rum and on top of all the other ingredients. Uh, one of the other ingredients is 
Orgate, and you know what Orgate is. It's a almond almond syrup. Yeah, it's an almond syrup, liqueur, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. So it's sometimes hard to find. Yeah, cool. Well, so I tried the I tried the jerk chicken, and it definitely has that kick of the Scotch bonnet, but there's enough rum counteract, and I think it's like you said, you just kind of get it on the back end. Of course, now my mouth is the whole mouth is kind of <laughs> warmed up. Yeah. But it's also warmed up, I think, from the Bacardi. Right. Now, have you tried one of the cookies? I have not yet. Okay. I was just going to say, you know, the more chicken that I eat and the more rum that I drink, the hotter the rum gets. Or, you know, the more, it seems like the alcohol is coming through. That's right. So the heat, the heat there is really, it's starting, as the heat builds in my mouth, it's starting to amplify the alcohol well, on there yeah. for me. But the alcohol tastes. So should we quit drinking it? Well, I mean, I'm going to move on to the cookie. <laughs> I think the cookie started to cool my mouth my, down a little bit. My plan is the cookie should tone it way down, mm-hmm. just like the cheese did. So that's my hope. So what type of cookies are these again? They're oatmeal, coconut, chocolate chip. Okay. So I, you know, you can't buy that at the store with a coconut. I, what I did is I bought chocolate chip bag cookies that you just break off and put on the cookie sheet but i toasted a little coconut and then took a little of the one minute oatmeal uh-huh. and put all that together and made made the cookie itself cool did you try it yeah i'm out of rum you're out of rum why is the rum gone i don't know josh what happened as uh jack captain jack sparrow always says you know, rum rum has its traditions with pirates, obviously, because it was a product that they got in the Caribbean area. And not only was it alcoholic delicious, but, you know, it helped stave off, I think it's scurvy. I think it that's right. It was one of the things, you know, alcohol helped stave off scurvy, scurvy, and it doesn't spoil as quickly as grog or beer would. That's right. So it was one of those things that would always be on a ship. And, you know, this was really before, not really before scotch, but it was before a lot of like vodkas. Right. Things like that. And I mean, and, you would, and why drink an IPA ugh. if you can drink rum? rum? Exactly. Now, if you'll notice on the bottle, and I bet the bottle that you, you have says Ron, R-O-N, uh-huh. and that's the Spanish word for rum. Mm-hmm. Mine also has rum, R-H-U-M, okay. which is the French, which oh. is the French spelling of rum. Oh, okay. So if you see Ron, rum, R-H-U-M, yeah. or R-U-M, they're, right. all, they're all speaking to rum. Oh, okay. There can be a little bit of difference between R-H-U-M and R-U-M and how it's made, but there'll be another word on there. Called, um, I think it's alagot, alagot, which means that it's just from the actual syrup, or excuse me, from the juice, not actually from like a molasses. Okay, okay. Well, Bacardi's tradition into an international brand was due mostly to, uh, I'm going to butcher this name too, S-C-H-U-E-G, Shungan, who branded Cuba as the home of rum and Bacardi as the king of rums. <laughs> yeah. So I kind of like that. And it expanded overseas, first into Mexico in 1931, and then to Puerto Rico in 1936, under the brand Ron, which is rum, mm-hmm. Barcardi. Okay. So, I'm going to have to try that cookie. I hadn't had a chance. I've been talking too much. Well, it's, it's good. It goes quite well with the rum. I'm not getting a whole lot of the coconut, but I'm okay with that because I'm not a huge coconut fan. Mm-hmm. But it's really, it's really good. You know, speaking of coconut and rum. You know, rum, like vodkas, are known for having flavor Mm -hmm. with it. And I think, you know, that can be kind of a detriment to really good rum. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of us think, okay, you know, Cardi White, Sailor Jerry, some of those really cheaper 
lighter rums that don't have any aging on them aren't really going to be worthwhile because they're they also do flavors with them and it's like well why would you put extra flavors on something that you think is already good by itself and so it steered a lot of people away from rum but as i've kind of done some research and trying some stuff you know there are a lot of rum really really good rums out there that are sipping rum that don't need any ice don't need any mixer don't need coke don't need water nothing just good old sipping rum and i think that it could really hit the american palate pretty well because we're raised on sweet yes we are and a lot of the higher end rums are they still have that sweetness but they have a lot of depth and flavor to them which is one of the reasons i'm excited to get to mine here in a little bit but you know i think if there were some people who don't like bourbon but want that complex sipping thing i would tell them to try rum yeah because there's a lot out there i mean uh plantation rum is doing a whole lot of stuff right now they're even doing single country rums or single like varietal rums there's just there's just so much out there in the high quality rum now that wasn't there like in the 70s you know like you were talking about it was basically bacardi and uh my what's called goslings and myers those were your real big rum names and goslings and myers were known for being you know, black rums or dark rums that you just make a dark and stormy with. Yeah. Not really just a sip. It was always built to be a cocktail. Well, and if you ever go to Cuba, one of the things we want to try is the Havana Club. Mm-hmm. So it's it's not, I guess it's not really legalized in the United States. It's, from what I understand, and I think we had some. I think Randy no, I think might so. have had some mm-hmm. and we sipped on it. It's a good sipping rum, and you know there's so many out there. Yeah, the Havana Club was really good when we had it. Yeah, and I mean, you know, this Picardi's good. But I wouldn't consider this a sipping rum, would you? Not really, but that's the way we wanted to do it today. Right. You know, it's it's something I, definitely that is good, but it's I think it better it better presents itself in a cocktail. But I'm not going to do rum and coke. Wow. I grew out of that. That's what I used to drink all the time. Yeah. You know, like in college, you know, if I was going to have a cocktail, it wasn't really a Cuba Libra. You know, I said, I want a rum and Coke. And one of my friends said, no, no, you want a Cuba Libra? And I go, no, I want a rum and Coke. And he goes, well, the only difference is just put lime juice in it. Yeah. And I tried it. And yeah, you're right. That's a little better. One of the, one of the first drinks I ever ordered uh, at a bar was a rum and coke and it was like eight nine rum with a splash of coke in it okay and it was it was deep 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 well rum and for me it turned me off to rum right away because i was like no no this is disgusting i don't i don't really enjoy it but later on in life when i met some really good bartenders you know i've had daiquiris hemingway daiquiris and other drinks that they've created with rum and I'm starting to see the depth of it. And now I'm excited that I'm kind of getting into sipping rums because I've heard a lot about it, but I've also just been like, uh, you know, I'd rather, I'd rather drink whiskey. But for the price point, I mean, when I was looking at some of the sipping rums, most of them, most of their high end stuff was cheaper than my middle to <laughs> my middle to low range whiskey. Oh yeah. Okay. So there's a lot of value that can be had with, with rum as well. So what do you think of the cookie? Uh, that did exactly what I thought it would do. It it toned down that hotness from the uh, from the jerk chicken. Uh, did you notice that too? Uh huh. I did. That chocolate worked really well with it too. Okay. Kind of bring out, rounded out some of those flavors. Anything else you want to talk about your rum? Well, 
One of the things you mentioned is uh, Hemingway, and I I saw some things on Hemingway. He uh, received a let's see a literary prize. I, I don't, um, but Bacardi threw a big party for him. Oh, really? I think it was actually in Cuba, probably. And he had won. Maybe it was the Nobel Prize for Literature. Okay. And so they wanted to honor him, and that's the way they did it. Okay. He was a big lover of the Caribbean. I mean, most most of his life, you know, in the United States was lived in Key West. And he's, you know, after, when he was an expat, you know, he kind of split time between Cuba and France. That's right. Uh, I think he lived in Key West at one point. Yeah, he did. Because I know you can still go to his house in Key West. There's uh, the Hemingway Daiquiri. Yep. I'd have to click this link to figure out how it's different. It adds maraschino liqueur. Oh, okay. All right. And I think a couple other things. But and it probably had Bacardi rum as a backbone. Well, yeah, it definitely had a rum because that's a daiquiri. But the main, one of the, like the, one of the major differences is that it uses uh, Luxardo maraschino liqueur. Okay. That's right. I'm, I'm reading that now. You're exactly right. The maraschino uh, liqueur. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's, there's a, a double connection with, with Bacardi. You know, we we went to Key West one night, and, or one night. Mm-hmm. We went to Key West one time, and we went to a place, and, man, it you know, they were serving all kinds of Hemingway drinks. It was fun. Yeah, it's I've heard it's, I've heard it's a really cool place to go visit. All right, you ready to move on? Yeah, so uh, let's uh, switch on over to the uh, Diplomatico Manitowano rum. Uh, this is actually a rum out of Venezuela. Okay. And it's in the uh, kind of foothills of the Andy. It is family owned and they are the caretakers of the process all the way from the field into the bottle. The distillery opened back in the late 50s in like 1959. It was owned by a group called LUSA. Uh has nothing to do with the United States. I think it's I think it was uh had to do with like liquor liquor united South America. But the major partner in that was Seagram. Oh, okay. So that's a big name. Yeah, and they were the major stakeholders in that for up until the 2000s. And in 2002, they actually bought out Seagram, the Seagram stake in the company, and that was by the Distillerias United SA, which I once again I think it's South America, but that's actually a family that owns that. And so they bought the stake out of Seagram to create the Diplomatico uh, Diplomatico. Rum. So I'm pretty excited. This is their their first level aged version. As you can tell, it's a lot darker. Pour me, much, Josh. Well, I'll pour you some more. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. It's, uh, I'm trying to get the color, and it's like tilted sideways. Where side, is it? Tilted sideways. It's a little darker. Oh, it's a lot darker. Uh, it's not as dark as a black rum. Oh, I'm just saying it's darker. It's, it's a lot a, darker than the the Bacardi. The Bacardi. Yes, and it's a lot darker than the Bacardi. You know, this is darker than most of the scotches that we've had. Maybe that 15-year-old French oak reserve may be about this dark. Right. It's it's very, very rich in color. You know, kind of like uh, dark brown sugar. Not getting real distinct legs with it. Um, this runs... Is it 40% or is it less? It is 40%. It is 40%. Okay. It's for 40, 40% by volume. And, you know, this one, like I said, has run, rum, and rum on the bottle. Okay. And who's the guy on the bottom? So he is kind of the grandfather of the region. They called him... Papa? 
Yeah. Well, they, they called him, you know, he is kind of the Don of the run, of the run. but it's a really cool rum. And so I'm really excited to get into it. It's one of my friends, Dave, Dave Madison. He actually recommended this. He said it's a phenomenal rum. I'm super excited to get into it. Oh, wow. I'm getting some uh, floridity this time on the, on the nose that I didn't get with the Bacardi. Yeah. This one actually, like I'm getting some fruit. Sweet flower. Yeah. I'm trying to, I don't think like, it's honeysuckle. Some, yeah. But it kind of reminds me of like, uh, bake, like honey baked apples or like dried figs. That's what it is, Josh. Dried figs. Mm-hmm. Kind of like figs from Charlie's Tree. Yeah. yeah but it, I mean, that's definitely what it is. Dried this, figs. This one actually, like, you get the flavors on the nose, whereas the Bacardi, there was just a lot of alcohol hotness. Well, I get the alcohol, but I'm trying well, to, yeah. I'm going past that. But for me, it's like the first thing I got with the Bacardi was the alcohol. And this, the alcohol is there, kind of wrapping up the... Yeah. It, the Bacardi hits you in the nose with the alcohol, and this one just kind of gives you a slight tap. Even though they're both 40%, that's that's strange, you know? Yeah. I mean, it probably just has to do with some of the, you know, quality and then the aging is different as well. So is it, uh, how is it aged? Is it an oak? Yeah, so they actually use, uh, they use used bourbon and malt whiskey barrel for this level of rum. Oh, okay. And it's aged, this is a blend of rums that are up to eight years old. So it's not a specific age. This one's not. Correct. But all the the rum that is in it has been aged in bourbon or malt whiskey barrels for... Up to eight years. Okay. They don't say the minimum, but up to eight years. Up to. Okay. So that gives it, that's why we're getting more color. Yeah. And definitely some more depth of the flavor. More depth. I'm getting, don't laugh, Josh. Uh Uh-uh. I'm getting a little gingerbread. Yeah. I can definitely see that. Oh, yeah. Or banana bread. No, gingerbread. You get gingerbread. I actually tried a rum today um, that smelled like bananas. Like it smelled straight up like bananas. It was so strange. Well, there's a yeast for for beer that does that, but I, I, I think I don't it was know about rum. I think it may have just been more of where where the rum came from. It may have been yeah. grown around some banana trees. Well, you got the plantains here. Yeah, so we've got uh, plantains. We've got some beef arepas, and then we have the tres leches cake. So um, I'm trying the plantain. Yeah, the plantains were a little underripe for kind of what I was hoping, but I think they're still really good. Where'd you get them? Uh, I made them. I mean, I no, you the, don't make plantains. I bought the plantain. I think I Kroger. <laughs> but you cooked them. Mm-hmm. I just kind of fried them up in butter. Uh, plantains, if you've never had them, are really, really starchy. So it's kind of like a... Like a cross between a banana and a potato. Right. And so you... It's much stiffer. Mm-hmm consistency the plantain is compared to a banana you know bananas are just soft and all that right but i like plantains your mom does yeah well and these are if you get good brown and black and bruised plantains and you fry them up they'll be really really sweet but these are these are really starchy so i think it's kind of contrast with the rum Right. Pretty well, and you caramelize these a little bit, so that goes well with the with the rum. Yeah, I cooked them in butter. Okay, you know I'm st- <laughs> I'm getting that rum on the back end. Yeah, I mean that definitely you know it picks up the plantain a little bit. Um, you know, kind of takes out some of that starchy quality to it. Um, I think if the plantains would have been sweeter, it would have been a little bit better of a um, of a pairing. But Maybe. still, even though they're starchy, they just kind of they kind of soak up the rum, can mm-hmm. kind of leave it empty in your mouth. And I see you. Uh, you got a big bite of the arepas. I think that's going to really soak up the rum. Well, Jordan and I were talking today when we were having these arepas 
at Repos before uh, the podcast, we're like, this would be like the best drunk food or the best hangover food ever. Because what an arepa is, is it's like, if you think of a pita, but made out of uh, corn uh-huh. or like the stuff that you make um, tamales with, so masa, and you have this like little bread thing that you kind of cook, kill it, cook, and then you make a pocket in it right. and you stuff it with stuff. And it's just like a, it's a Latinx, basically street food sandwich. And the ones that we have were like, they're just, they're just filled with meat and they're greasy and that corn. It's yeah. like, it would be a really good hangover food. But really, it doesn't cure the hangover. It just makes the drunk wide awake. Exactly. And it that's helps all it soak does. up some of the stuff. Soak up. Yeah. He's still drunk. He's just a wide awake drunk. But that, yeah, that that's really good. So you and Jordan made those? No. So who made them, Josh? That's really good. So um, the arepas were bought from a local restaurant called La Terraza. Oh, yeah. And they're actually a Venezuelan. He's Venezuelan and she's Spanish, I think. Mm-hmm. And they just opened up a restaurant near us. Uh, not too long ago, and it's really, really good. This is the first time I've been there. So La Terrazas is on Cavanaugh, and if you haven't been there, they have a big outdoor deck, like multi-layered deck. Mm-hmm. And, you know, under COVID, you know, you want to be careful, but we've been to La Terrazas several times, and they're all wearing their mask, and you wear your mask till you get seated and get, you know, something to drink or whatever. But I, I feel comfortable at La Terrazas as much as you possibly can under the COVID thing we're going through now. And Josh is right. They have some fabulous food. They have great mojitos. Yeah. You can get those by the pitcher. Yeah, and they sell them to go because they, you know, close con- closing container. But Wild Wild West of <laughs> COVID selling booze to go. Yeah, well, at least for us here in Arkansas. But these are repas. You know, they're beef, they're beef filled. So it's a seasoned shredded beef that's put in one of those uh, corn, corn kind of pita. And it's so flavorful. And I was actually talking to the, I was talking to the gentleman, I think who owns it, um, while he was making the mojitos. And after I, when I was picking this up and he was telling me about that, he loved this from not only because it's good, but because it's where he's from. You know, like I said, it's Venezuela. Venezuela. Mm-hmm. And he said it's one of his favorite rums just to drink on. Doesn't need anything else to it. Doesn't need ice. Doesn't, and I, I agree with him. This is a, it is a really, really good rum. Josh, here's another story. Back in the time that uh, your mom and I were doing sailboat trips, we tried to get some friends to go with us. We'd had friends go with us before on a sailboat. Uh, There's a company called the Moorings, and they're really good. And uh, we tried to get some friends to go with us. They, They couldn't do it. So we ended up on a sailboat. And it's just the captain, the cook, and the two of us. And so we're we're heading uh, down to uh, St. Lucia. If you remember the Superman movie where Superman's in love with Lois Lane, he flies off and he picks an orchid, and you see these twin peaks. Yeah. That's St. Lucia. Okay. So anyway, we're we're there, and we... We get off the boat and want to do some shopping. Well, it was Whit Monday and really nothing going on. So we come back to the boat. The captain and the cook said, oh, well, there's so-and-so over there in his boat. Well, I look over there at the boat and it, it looks like it's about to sink. Oh, really? I mean, it's so low in the water. It's ridiculous. Well, that captain and his wife had been to Venezuela. Okay. Okay, this is in the 80s. Mm-hmm. This is that Venezuela is part of the OPEC, and what they had done is they'd gone down there. Beer was like 19 cents a six pack. Wine was like a dollar a bottle, and it was like you know great great wine. And so they loaded their boat up with everything they could possibly carry, and the boat was so low in the water it looked like it was sinking. <laughs> but they I don't know how many six packs of beer they had and how many bottles of wine they had, but wow that was. And it was a fun night because we kept drinking the wine and he kept going down below, grabbing up more wine. 
And slowly the boat rose in the water. Yeah, slowly. <laughs> uh, we couldn't possibly make it raise very much. Yeah. But yeah, I, I want to go back to Venezuela. Yeah. Well, we never went to Venezuela. I want to go to Venezuela. Right. So a little bit more about this rum. You know, so we talked about how rum is made from sugarcane. Uh, and with Diplomatico, they use up to 10 different species of sugarcane. Oh, really? So it's not just one. There's actually a whole bunch. And they work with local researchers in the area to develop some of their sustainability and other things. And they actually develop a specific strain and a specific species of sugarcane to grow very well where they're at in their in their area and they ended up calling the researchers ended up calling it diplomatico because without it they wouldn't have had all the money and the funding oh yeah yeah they wouldn't have been able to do it so it's a really hardy one and you know i was reading that for this for their light rum or their white rum they use what's called molasses or sugarcane honey have you ever heard of that before? No, I haven't. So doing some research in it, you know, molasses is a, is like a two or three boiling of the sugars to get it that yeah, really yeah, dip. really dark. And the sugarcane honey is a first boil. Oh, okay. So remember I was talking about that rum thing is, um, I want to say Aligote, but that's actually a region in France. Um, I think it's Aligane. That is rum that's made just from the pressings of the sugar cane. Okay. So that juice that comes off, and then they boil it, and they get the sugar cane honey, and then they use that to make their white rums, and then they boil it again, They or they boil it again to make molasses. So that's like the second or third run. That's what they use to make this kind of stuff. The dark. Yeah, this one. And then sometimes they'll even go all the way darker to like blackstrap molasses. Oh, wow. Which is really, really deep, and that's what's used to make black rum okay so that was one of the things that that was really cool and they as well use a specific yeast strain that they've maintained uh for their rum i think that's important for the rum industry yeah and because you know why i mean spontaneous fermentation is you know it's possible sure. it is you know harder to control no, but if you, you want to have something happen. specific and repeatable you know they having a specific strain of yeast is important that you inoculate in there and they stay there. They'll ferment. They'll ferment for different lengths, depending on what type of rum. For the lighter rums, they'll just ferment for one day, uh-huh. up to one day. And then the more complex rums, they'll actually ferment it for two or three days to make sure it's all the way cooked down. And when they when they distill it, um, they use all three types of still, depending on what type of rum. So oh, really? you can see it's very very intentional of their process because for their white rums they use a continuous column still that we've okay, talked about right, before like right. a bourbon mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they use kettle stills for kind of their mid-range and their really high-end complex ones they use pot stills oh yeah so in their distillery they have all three types of stills which i thought was really cool so what have you been snacking on and well I've been going back to the plantains going back to the meat pie you hadn't told me i could go to the cake yet so i'm kind of hanging mm-hmm. out you waiting can, for that opportunity you can go to the translators that's fine all right well um and you know like i mentioned before for this range the manitowato it is they use bourbon barrel bourbon barrels and malt whiskey barrels they don't say if it's single malt whiskey but they just say malt whiskey so it could be they're getting them from blended houses that's right for their single varietal or what they call their ambassador level rums they use pedro jimenez and olasoro sherry barrels oh wow okay. to age their rums in so those get a little bit more expensive just because the materials right at that point are getting a little what's the price point on that rum um i think this one was 28 and the next level up was 41 okay so not like 
I mean, $41 for a, a, you know, a high-end rum, you know, you're paying 40 bucks for a mid-range bourbon nowadays. That's right. So it's really good. And this one, you know, they, they like it because it's really, it's really versatile. Like I said, it can be drunk like this or it can even be used in cocktails. I can see this being really good in some cocktails. Oh yeah, I think so too. So let's, you can move on to the, I told you, you can move on to the cake. Uh, I think I will. Whenever you want. I'm going to eat some more of this shredded beef because it's delicious. Oh, it's delicious. You're right. And it's, uh, the beef kind of calms down that spicy, uh, alcoholic alcohol of the, of the rum itself and just kind of smooths it all out. Brings out that brown sugar. Yes, it does. Dark brown sugar taste to it. So the cake. Yeah, the Jordan cake. made it. You made it. Jordan Jordan made it. It's a tres leches cake, so three milks. The standard like Genoese cake that's soaked in a oh. mixture of sweetened condensed milk, evaporated milk, and whole milk, and then topped whipped cream. Oh yeah, that month. That's almost a blitzkaka. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of the almost, same idea. Yeah, the, and blitzkaka for those that don't know, uh, blitza means wet, kaka means cake in Norwegian. And Blitzkaka is a wonderful cake that's very similar to this. Layered, has the strawberries, has the has the whipped cream. Wonderful cake. This one's very similar to that. And I never thought about this cake or a Blitzkaka being with straight rum. Well, I'll tell you, it works. It works. That's right. <laughs> it's, I'm, I'm impressed. Give give Jordan some kudos on that one. I will. I mean, the cake's light. I mean, the cake's light and buttery, and then that sweet got this extra sweet tone to it and then a little bit of bitterness from the whipped cream well just looking at the cake i see all those holes in it so it's like whipped air cake with the whipped cream and the strawberries on top fantastic and that like it sweet it doesn't sweeten up the rum it kind of just bumps the rum a little bit and you know elevates the cake gives the cake an extra like um sugar you know like that molassesiness and I mean, this that like really elevates both both of the both the drink and the cake. What else you got today? You know, um, I mean, that's about it. Unless you have any questions about the rum itself, or I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to put that in my bar that that uh, rum. Yeah, and I mean, it's it's a value. Like, well, kinda, yeah, thirty bucks or that, whatever you yeah, said. Yeah, and I mean, that's kind of what I was talking about you know, when it comes to like those higher end these really good sipping rums you know they're they're just as good as bourbon all right well let's take a break and i'll get the put it on pause and i'll get the blind ready all right and as a reminder when i'm doing blind tastings of liquors i'm using the wset the wines and spirits education trust level three systematic approach approach to tasting spirits all right here we go all right so i got you a blind josh we've got it in the uh Karen nose-sniffing glass. All right, so this is a clear liquor. Um, it's not hazy at all, meaning I can see straight through it. Um, there is a kind of deep intensity of a gold or like a amber kind of color. Uh, it's not quite going all the way to brown. Oh, no. Yet, not but brown. It's definitely deep in amber. Um, no secondary colors. There may be some red, but there's also a lot of red in this room um, with it. And yeah, so let's uh, give it a sniff. Oh, isn't that great? It's clean. There's no real faults to it. Um, medium. Say medium intensity. Get that alcohol smell. Yeah, there's definitely some oak. There's some oak aging going on here, not only because of the color, but you can kind of smell it. Smell some of those baking spices on the nose. It's kind of off dry. 
I would say. What does off um, dry mean, Josh? And sweetness. So it's not real dry. It's not real sweet. But there is some perceivable sweetness on it. Uh, the kind of medium, medium plus on the flavor intensity. Um, it's a little hot. Um, but overall, I would say it's kind of smooth. No real bitterness to it. It's quick, quick through the mouth, but hot. Kind of stays in the back of your throat. So it's definitely we're running around the you know the forties in alcohol. I think um, you know. So it's not that one fifty one I've warned you about. Definitely not. Um, but it's got you know like we said, it's got a little bit of sweetness, um, almost like some molassesy. So it kind of makes me think that maybe this is a sugar cane based um, one with the aging on it. Finishes kind of you know you know kind of long in the alcohol uh, but short on the front of the palate and it slightly lingers in the back i mean this is good liquor definitely getting some caramel some nuts going on with it hazelnut um i don't know if i'd say hazelnut i don't know if i could put a specific nut on it but there's like a toasty nut quality to it um definitely all the good warming baking spices hot cinnamon clove vanilla mm. Definitely barrel matured. Bourbon barrel aged? I couldn't quite tell. I couldn't quite tell what kind of barrel it comes from. I wouldn't be surprised if it, if it is a reuse of the barrel because there's so much flavor going on. Um, or it's been in the barrel a long time. Don't let me trick you. Um, What's a long time? Uh, Eight over, years plus? Over four years, I would consider. All oh, okay. All right. Um, think about like Jim Beam and... Some of those guys and their richness of color. Jim Beam's four years. Yeah. Um, I would say, I'm going to say that this is a rum. I'm going to say it's a dark rum or a black. I wouldn't call it a black rum. No, it's color. not a black rum, John. But I would definitely call it a dark. I'd call this a dark rum. Um, I have no idea uh, what country it's from or who makes it. But I'm going to I'm gonna stick on, stick on that it's a rum. And you said years? No, I'm not going to say it. You're not going to say how many years? No. Because a lot of rum, a lot of rums don't actually age designate. Uh, that's true. Um, but I mean, it's definitely, it's definitely been aged for quite, well, for quite a four, while. You said like four maybe or more. Somewhere. Uh, okay. You're making me put a number on it. I will say it's somewhere between four and eight years. It's been somewhere between four and eight years in a barrel. All right. There you have it, folks. There it is. We'll come back next week to find out uh, what what it was that I drank. And for those of you who have kind of figured out our formula, next week would be a cocktail week, uh, but it's not going to be. We are going to do a wine next week. And the following week after that, we're going to get together with the guys from The Straight Cut, a, a cigar podcast here in Little Rock, and we're going to be doing a dual episode with them. And we'll be doing our cocktail pairings with a cigar for that one. That's going to be a lot of fun. I think. It's going to be it's going to be a lot of fun. We've been talking with the guys about doing one and getting excited about actually getting down to do one. Um, so next week, like I said, we're going to be doing wines instead of cocktails, and we're going to be doing the wines of Oregon. So kind of be watching out for what what wines we're going to be doing. Remember, you can find that on Instagram, and we're also on Twitter. We're on Facebook. Book, we're on email you know we're on your favorite podcast platforms uh speaking of reviews and ratings i want to apologize the sound quality for the last two weeks hasn't been that great and kind of the standard that we want to be at i was trying something new in the 
editing process and it didn't quite work out. Uh, so I do apologize for that, but this week we'll be back up to our normal uh, standard of audio quality quickly. But yeah, Wines of Oregon next week. Follow us on your favorite podcast platform, Acquired Tastings, on Instagram at Acquired Tastings, Twitter at Acquired Tasting, and on Facebook we are Acquired Tasting. I'm John Mills. And I'm Josh Mills, and we'll see you next time. Thank you, and goodbye.